Hey friends, welcome back to the Field Guide to Body Language podcast. I am Laurel. I am your resident body language nerd. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do that on Patreon. Um, I like to drop bonus video content on Patreon. Or if you're just curious about what I do, you can join the Facebook community. Um, both of those are under Field Guide to Body Language. So come on over. Lately in the podcast, we've been covering the developmental neuromuscular patterns, most recently core distal and head tail. And I wanted to um, drop this bonus episode because I have been thinking a lot lately about feet, which are not so much part of the head tail connection, but since feet are considered a distal end, they're obviously part of the core distal connection. I am reworking a workshop that I first presented several years ago called Find Your Footing, which I'll talk about in a few minutes because I would really love for you all to have the opportunity to join me. But I have been rereading articles on the feed and digging up exercises I haven't visited in a long time and also remembering how much our feet influence how we walk, stand, move, and communicate. Now, if you're new to the podcast, then you might think that that sounds totally ludicrous, and I promise it's not. Um, the whole body is connected in strategic ways, and I would encourage you to go back and listen to the last couple of podcasts on the body because they'll go more into depth on how the body is connected. But for now, let's chat about feet. If you track your steps and say you aim for 5,000 or even 10,000 steps a day, uh, first off, get it. My husband aims for 10,000 steps a day and it's no joke, especially in the heat of summer. When you take a step, you put one foot out in front of you and your heel down and that's called the heel strike portion of gait. And then you roll through your foot on the way to putting your other heel down. Your feet hit the floor and their structure supports you 10,000 times every day. And those are just the steps. That doesn't include standing still. That's a fair bit of work. Is there any other exercise that you would ever do to the tune of 10,000 repetitions every day? Of course not. So let's just have a moment for the amazing resilience of the feet. Okay, the moment's over. Now, what happens if something has gone awry with the feet? There are really three ways that feet can develop idiosyncrasies. A chronic injury, which is something that happens over time, something like plantar fasciitis or bunions um, can also create a long lasting change in the structure of the foot um, and therefore the movement of the body. Another thing that can happen is a traumatic injury, and that's an injury that happens quickly, like spraining an ankle or breaking a toe. The last thing to consider um, is something someone's born with, like Morton's toe or tight Achilles tendons. Um, Morton's toe is when the second toe is longer than the big toe. Um, it isn't really something that's a big deal. I mean, actually, I shouldn't say that. I don't. I don't have Morton's toe, um, so maybe it is a big deal. But I have a friend who has Morton's toe, and the only time she ever complains about it is like when you're, she tries to get a pair of the sandals, like Birkenstocks, that have like the ridge at the end, and her second toe runs into the ridge, and it drives her crazy. So from my understanding, um, that is the biggest drawback in having a Morton's toe. Um, 
Another example of something someone's born with that uh, affects the feet is people who are born with really tight Achilles tendons, and they are the people who kind of walk on their toes. You might even notice that their heels bounce a little bit as they walk um, because that's how they absorb shock as they go through their gait pattern. Um, But whatever the anatomical variation may be, what's happening in the foot is being rippled up into the rest of the body every time a step is taken. Even if you haven't ever had any of the aforementioned foot issues, footwear choices affect the structure of the foot and how we walk and stand. Just look at the difference between someone walking in stilettos versus someone walking in tennis shoes. One of my fellow Pilates instructors once said something that really resonated for me. This woman is just amazing. She holds herself to a really high standard and she never stops seeking out new knowledge. And I really, really admire her for that. Um, But I digress. She said that shoes are foot coffins. And she was so right. The design of the foot is one of supreme adaptability and strength. Not only can it handle multiple thousands of repetitions every day, but the structure, especially when it's healthy, can adapt to multiple surfaces. And the more the foot is challenged to adapt to multiple surfaces, the stronger and more flexible it gets. Think of all the different natural surfaces that we walk on. Grass, rocks, brush, sand. I'm sure there are more, but that's all I've got in my brain right now. The thought of walking on a rocky surface right now with our feet in deliciously cushy shoes or slippers, oh, I love slippers, doesn't really sound great. It sounds rather painful. But if you've been walking on the rocky beaches of Michigan barefoot over the summer, then it doesn't sound so bad. Maybe it even sounds like fun because the feet have had a chance to adapt to the surface and get strong enough to handle it. The same thing with sand. My ballet teacher always used to tell us that we should go walk on the beach because it would be good for our feet. Um, I rarely did though. Please don't tell her. I grew up in Santa Barbara. And if you walk barefoot in the sand for any length of time, your feet will be covered in tar, not to mention the sunburn that would surely ensue. But walking on the sand, like walking on rocks um, or barefoot on any other surface forces the foot to utilize its adaptable design to build strength and flexibility. Um, I should probably say something about the design of the foot. I will post some pictures up on the face group, face group. That's right. The face group. Um, I will post some pictures up on the Facebook group. So you have a visual, but essentially the foot is made of a lot of bones that either look like rocks or sticks, super strong plantar fascia, which is akin to the silver skin on a pot roast. Um, It's really, really strong. Um, And a bunch of muscles, bones, fascia, muscles. Let's unpack that a bit. The rock-shaped bones are all in the heel portion of your foot, from your heel to like midway through the medial arch of your foot. So there are actually three arches in your foot, um, but the one everyone thinks of as the arch is the medial arch. So there are rock-shaped bones from your heel to mid-arch. And one of those bones, the most posterior one, the one that's farthest to the back is the actual heel bone. It's called your calcaneus. Um, I think I'm saying that correctly, but if you speak better Latin than I do, please correct me. Um, The toe portion of your foot, so from mid-arch out to the tips of your toes, um, the bones are all long and skinny, like sticks. 
Those are the metatarsals and phalanges. And again, feel free to correct my Latin pronunciation. There is a set of metatarsal and phalangeal bones for each toe. The names aren't really important for our discussion today, um, but if you're curious and you want to go look up what the structure of the foot looks like, then it's helpful to know the names. So those are the bones. The plantar fascia, and if you've had plantar fasciitis, you already know this, but the plantar fascia is a really strong, really thick band of connective tissue that passes from the underside of each toe under the arch of the foot and to the heel bone, the calcaneus. We're going to talk about this a little bit because understanding how the plantar fascia is connected to the rest of the body is one of the most clear ways to see how the structure of the foot influences the whole body, how it moves and how it's held in standing. The plantar fascia doesn't actually stop at the heel bone. We identify the fascia on the bottom side of the foot as plantar fascia, but that line of fascia doesn't stop at the heel. It goes around the heel bone and is the same line of fascia that we also know as our Achilles tendon. I promise I put some uh, pictures up in the Facebook group of this too. It's, it's really super interesting to see. That line of connective tissue that houses the plantar fascia and the Achilles tendon goes all the way up through the backside of your body, around the back of your head, and like over the top of your head and to your brow line. Yes, the brow line. You literally can't consider eyebrow movement without first considering if someone has plantar fasciitis or tight Achilles tendons. You cannot separate the two. They are intricately connected. This is why I am taking the summer to cover the human body and how it's connected because you can't really understand how the body moves until you understand the body. Now let's talk about muscles. The way we work the muscles influences the structure of the foot. The fascia is doing all of the heavy lifting or heavy connecting, I guess is more appropriate. Um, but when you're going to really get in there and do some work on your feet, some footwork, it's important to understand where the muscles are and how they contract because they are the motors that move the fascia. There are tiny little muscles that live totally in the foot structure and help like hold the arches in place. And then there are other muscles that actually control the foot and ankle, but they live like up in the area of your calf. And that makes all kinds of sense, right? Because the muscles live in the lines of connective tissue. And we just talked about how the plantar fascia and the Achilles tendon are connected. Now let's get back to the whole shoes, our foot coffins thing. Let's pretend that for the duration of our lives, we have all been able to find and afford optimal footwear, a good pair of quote unquote supportive shoes, good soles, a nice hug around the arch of your foot and plenty of room in the toe. That good pair of shoes that we would think of as optimal is doing a lot of work that your feet could and if possible, should be doing. So even footwear at its finest isn't great for our feet. It's even worse for your feet if you have ill-fitting shoes that lift your heels or squeeze your toes or rub your bunions, probably because you look fabulous. I know we all make sacrifices, but I digress. It may seem like I am advocating for everyone to be barefoot all the time, and I really do wish that were possible. But in today's world where concrete sidewalks and public transportation and the occasional no shirt, no shoes, no service sign dictate that we must wear shoes, it just 
isn't possible or practical to be barefoot. Oh my God, can you even imagine being barefoot on the New York subway? Oh God. Um, Or in a gas station bathroom? Oh, just the thought, just the thought makes me cringe. Okay. Um, So unfortunately, and obviously we can't walk around barefoot all the time. And even if we could, most of us would be stuck walking on man-made surfaces, which have no give and would really hurt your feet if you walked barefoot on them for any length of time. Barefoot just isn't sustainable in today's world. So short of taking lengthy vacations to dance barefoot and naked in a field, what can we do for our feet? How do we help our feet survive a life of ill-fitting footwear and walking surfaces designed for our shoes rather than for our feet? First off, walk barefoot as often as you can. If you have room to walk barefoot in the grass in your backyard or in the sand at the beach, take the opportunity to ditch your shoes and exercise your feet. If this isn't something you do on a regular basis, then take your time. Start slow so you aren't ridiculously sore the next day. Remember, walking may not seem like a workout, but there are a lot of repetitions. So soreness can kind of sneak up on you. Another thing you can do is get a massage. If you have um, if you have the resources to get a full body massage with a good massage therapist, then absolutely go for it. Having a qualified massage therapist address the tightness in your whole body is the best option because a massage therapist will feel tightness in the tissues and be able to address them in a way that just isn't available in other settings. Having your partner give you a massage isn't the same unless they're a certified massage therapist, but you get my point. Professional massage is different than a partner's back rub. Another option that can be a little bit more budget-friendly is to just go get a foot massage or go get a pedicure. Many salons will include a foot and calf massage with a pedicure, and that can be a great little like... mm, like a little cheat, a little life hack, if you will. And then when you do walk around barefoot, your toes look fabulous. Stretching is another great option to help your feet stay happy and healthy. I'm going to walk you through a handful of stretches in a minute, but if you come to find your footing, you'll get lots more stretching resources. Actually, since I just mentioned again, I should like give you the details now and then we'll get into the stretches. So find your footing is, wait for it, a foot workshop. I know. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit in the workshop about the anatomy of the foot. I will go slightly more in depth than I did today, but really just to give everyone an appreciation for how the foot works and the structure of it so that you know how to stretch and strengthen it effectively. And then I'm going to talk about what happens when we have foot pain and how to encourage change in the structure to relieve it. For example, um, plantar fasciitis is when the plantar fascia on the bottom of the foot gets aggravated and inflamed, and it can be extremely painful. But we don't just wake up one day and have full-blown plantar fasciitis. It's a chronic injury, so it comes on gradually. Most people ignore it for a while until it's completely unbearable, and then they go to a physical therapist who scrapes the bottom of their foot with a little tool that looks like a butter knife. So that's fun. Even more fun if you have crap insurance and you have to pay for it out of pocket. Now, let's say when the plantar fascia starts hurting, or better yet, before the plantar fascia starts hurting, we care for our feet with fascial release techniques, specialized foot stretches, Epsom salt soaks. Not only are our feet more healthy, but we can most likely avoid that whole butter knife experience. 
Of course, in the workshop, we'll cover more than just coping with plantar fasciitis. Um, keeping your feet healthy can keep a whole host of pathologies at bay. Bunions, hammer toes, drop arches, hip and back pain. Oh my God, wait, it's like they're connected. My point is making foot care a part of your self-care routine pays off in a big way. So if you're interested in joining me, and I would love to meet everyone in person, the workshop is on August 20th from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you are in the Indianapolis area, then please attend in person. We'll be at my Pilates studio, Voltage Pilates. Um, If you are not, or if you're still feeling a little bit itchy about COVID, then you are welcome to attend virtually. Participation is $100 per person, and that includes a supply kit for you of all of my favorite foot care tools. So now just a quickie disclaimer, if you attend virtually, I am happy to mail the supply kit to you. But if you sign up late, I can't guarantee the kit will get to you in time because I don't have global warehouses. I am literally packing everything by hand and sending it in the mail. So the sooner you reserve a spot for yourself, the better. One more time, the pertinent information. Find your footing is August 20th, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in person at Voltage Pilates in Indianapolis, or you can attend virtually $100 per person. That includes supplies or, or you could save that hundred dollars and pay for it. You know, like one physical therapy session where you're crying because the PT is scraping your foot with a butter knife. Okay. I promised a couple of stretches. So here they are. First, sit in a chair with your feet on the floor, about four inches apart and parallel. I highly recommend a dining chair, a folding chair. I don't recommend you try this in a rolly chair, like a rolling office chair. Don't recommend it. Not that you can't, but just dining chair is much safer. Anyway, you're sitting in your chair, feet about four inches apart and parallel. Lift your right heel as high as you can with the entirety of the ball of your foot remaining down on the floor and then lower your heel. You can do that a handful of times and then repeat it on the other leg. Then you are going to lift your right foot up and tuck your toes underneath your foot so the tops of your toes are on the floor. Press gently down into the tops of your toes and it should stretch the top of your foot. Be gentle, do a couple, and then repeat it on the left. The next one is a calf stretch. So you're going to stand up, face the wall or something else you can hang on to for stability. The edge of a table or countertop is fine. Start with your feet in a staggered stance, both toes facing directly forward and the soles of your feet completely on the floor. Bend your front leg and you should notice a stretch in your back calf. And then obviously you're going to repeat that on the other leg. I will video these and put them on the Facebook group page so that if you would like to like follow along with the video that will be available on the Facebook page. Okay. I do have one more recommendation for taking care of your feet. And that is to pick up a barefoot movement practice. You are always welcome to join me for an online Pilates mat class or pick up something in person closer to where you are. The key is here that you practice barefoot so that your feet have to adapt to their surfaces. Running doesn't count unless you're running barefoot on the beach, preferably. Um, CrossFit and PDX, where you're wearing tennis shoes, don't count. 
Um, yoga and Pilates are great because they're commonly practiced barefoot. Also, if you're practicing Pilates in shoes, um, we should talk. DM me. If you're curious and you'd like to learn more about how to save your feet from the torture, which is shoes, um, I hope you'll consider joining me for Find Your Footing. It it really will be fun. Um, this workshop is suitable for everyone. There's no experience required. Just come and learn about feet. I will leave a link in the show notes for the workshop because it's being held at my Pilates studio. The sign up is through that website. Again, it's Voltage Pilates. So don't be put off when the link takes you there. Thanks a bunch for hopping in to listen to my bonus episode. Um, if you have questions, as always, feel free to DM me at Laurel Foley on Instagram or email me laurel at fieldguide to body language.com. Bye friends. Thank you.